Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Jeremy Goodwin. Krister Ungerbach has thought a lot about the nature of leadership. Sometimes he coaches CEOs and other executives on how to get better at it. But he also has some advice for folks who aren't in the upper echelons of organizational management, like myself and perhaps some of you. He is headed to St. Louis this week to speak about this at the University of Missouri-St. Louis. And he joins me on the phone right now to talk about all this. Krister Ungerbach, welcome to the program. Hi there, Jeremy. Hey, thanks so much for calling in today. So as of, as of just a few years ago, you seem to have your career path pretty well set. You were CEO of a software company that's based in O'Fallon, but with other locations around the world, at least by the time you were done with it, things were going well for you. And you had an extremely dramatic moment that set you off on a new direction when you were started to sign up for a gym membership, right? So what, what happened? What, what, was, yeah. what was the question that that person at the YMCA asked you that sent you off on this? Yeah, I was sitting at the YMCA and the young woman is typing my uh, gym responses uh, into her computer. And she asked me, who is your emergency contact? And, uh, and I broke down crying because uh, shortly before that, I had initiated a business divorce from my business partner. So my primary business partner happened to be my father. And, uh, and then two weeks after that, my, uh, my wife walked out on me. I'd walked out on the CEO job of the company that I had adopted and loved. And I looked around and you know, I had read all these business books for years and I realized that I was a leader with no followers. And I started thinking, well, clearly, you know, best-selling business books haven't gotten me, well, maybe I've gotten a reasonable degree of business success. It led to a lot of personal failure. And so I started looking outside of the kind of traditional business world for, uh, for, for insights about leadership. And um, when I, one of the turning points was shortly after that day at the YMCA, I ran across some research by uh, the world's most renowned researcher into marriage and divorce, named, a man by the name of Dr. John Gottman. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's known for being able to predict divorce with something like 94% accuracy after observing like a 20-minute conversation. And he looks for four specific language patterns. And the interesting thing is it struck me is those same four language patterns that Dr. Gottman uses to predict divorce with 94% accuracy were present in all of my business divorces from you know, my father and business partners, from executives that I'd fi fired over the years, uh, salespeople who left and took the you know, customers and ideas to the competition. In every single case, those four communication patterns were present. And part of your journey, you went beyond sitting around thinking about this stuff, but it sounds like you went on something of a world tour of, uh, of self-discovery. Yeah. You know, in, in New Zealand, they call it a walkabout or in Australia, they call it a walkabout. <laughs> so I took a year off, uh, you know, to heal from divorce. Uh, and, and, you know, essentially my, as CEO, my, my entire life was defined by a goal that I set when I was 19 years old to build a billion dollar company in my life. And so with that goal gone, I, I mean, had, I have really had nothing like my identity uh, was gone. And, uh, and so I, I sought out some of the you know, top researchers in a lot of different fields. I ended up interviewing people like uh, um, uh, Gary Chapman, the author of the five love languages. I didn't interview him about the five love languages, but another book he had written that's called the, uh, was at one time called the five apology languages. Um, and so I went and I really did, uh, rather than reading, I did experiential things that kind of took me to different places to learn about leadership and relationships. 
and that's how the leadership language of leadership was born. It was really, really taking the best practices of leadership or the best thinking of leadership that I learned over 30 years of reading thousands of business books and applying it to relationships, but then take the best research and the best thinking out of the world of relationships and applying it to leadership. Mm. So uh, I, I call the language of leadership a, a unified language for leading powerfully with empathy uh, that works both at work and at home. When I think about um, leadership at work and, and trying to maybe assemble a team going for a, a shared goal, that's that's not how I think about successful relationships of someone coming in and, and, and saying, this is what we're going to do and, and follow me. So how do the two things overlap? So one thing that did happen uh, that started me thinking about this uh, was probably about 10 years ago. While I was CEO, I did a 360, uh, 360 uh, survey. So for those who aren't business people, a 360 survey is an anonymous survey of people who work with someone that, to get feedback and to identify blind spots. And so I happened to be in a room with about 150 leaders, uh, many of them who had blind spots. That's why we were all there. And, uh, and, and this researcher, who was in his 80s at the time, uh, who had been researching leadership for something like 50 or 60 years, uh, he had thousands of data points about leaders in the, uh, from the eyes of the people who work for those leaders. And he's sharing with me my, you know, our results. And I, I looked at my score, and my score was 199 out of 200. So I was pretty proud of myself. And then he said, if your score is over 180, that's not a good thing. Hmm. So I had to basically pin the scale. And so he went on, and he said, if your bubble, and you know, we're looking at a chart, he said, if your bubble is up in this corner, what that means is I can tell you Based upon what your employees are saying about you, I can tell you that it is extremely likely that you were raised uh, in an environment where one or both parents were highly critical, didn't give a lot of positive feedback. I'm in the back of the room nodding myself uh, in agreement because my dot was in that kind of quadrant he was talking about. Yeah. But not only that, there are like 50 people in the room unconsciously nodding as well. And so this is what I realized, and he said, you know, so you might want to change that because what we can also tell you based upon our, you know, thousands of data points or hundreds of thousands of data points is that if you don't fix your things that are showing up in this kind of survey, that you're going to pass those behaviors on to your children. And that these, you know, in my case, I worked for a family business. So many of the people who were responding to this survey about me were family members. Mm. I chose to actually include my wife and some other people from personal life. And what, what he said, and, and this is what I found in my coaching, is that as much as I believed as a leader that I compartmentalize and I'm very different at work than I am in personal life, the reality is, is that we aren't. And, uh, and so what was happening is that it wasn't just people from my professional life who were saying these things about me. Uh, it was people for my personal life as well. Interesting. And and along those lines, you have a, you've, a thought exercise you've developed called the Leader's Creed, which, which you've adapted for family occasions. So Father's Day is coming up. Tell me about the Father's Creed. Yeah. So so the, the Leader's Creed, so the, the one of the fundamental things about lead, the language of leadership, is the fundamental kind of concepts is that uh, I believe that based on my experience, that better bosses make better parents. And a lot of people, because we compartmentalize, we think, oh, yeah, that doesn't really make sense. So I created the Father's Creed and the Leader's Creed to illustrate the point. 
So the Father's Creed and the Leader's Creed are a list of 10 statements that you sit down with your child on Father's Day or Mother's Day or, you know, on their birthdays, whenever you really want to. And you read each statement, and after each statement, you, it's like a 360 review, taking an idea from leadership and applying it to family. And you ask your child, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how am I doing on this statement? They respond, let's say they respond with a 7. And the follow-up question is, what can I start or stop doing to be kind of an 8 or a 9, to, you know, to be a better parent? So what are the key questions here? So, so one, of, one example is, uh, I appreciate, acknowledge, and encourage you. Or another is that I listen when you speak. I listen to your words and for the needs behind your words. So for a leader in a business context to even take a moment to say, hey, employees, do I listen to what you say? Do you feel that I hear you when you talk to me? That seems like a, a profoundly important thing that gets overlooked a lot. Yeah. Well, an important point is boiling it down into concrete actions. What can I start or stop doing? You know, maybe it's you can stop interrupting me. Or you could start asking more questions. You know, so leaving it up to the other person of their definition of what can I start doing or stop doing as a parent, as a father from Father's Day, or as a as a leader in business. So the interesting thing about this leader's creed and father's creed is that nine of the ten statements are exactly the same. And that's the thing of like helping to realize that the behaviors that make great bosses are also the behaviors that make great uh, make great parents. And we're talking about things like having empathy, communication skills, listening, right? Am I? Yeah, and it, it, it breaks it down. And so one of the things that with the Father's Creed Challenge, so listeners can go to thefatherscreed.com or there's also themotherscreed.com. Yeah, this all goes for moms too, right? Yeah, exactly. And so I have like a little worksheet that people can use to fill out kind of their comments. So, you know, take a picture of it so you can look at it the next year on Father's Day or Mother's Day. Um, but then there's also some video guided tutorials that I'm going to come up with over the next week in advance of Father's Day to you know, how to position it with your child so they don't come in kind of cold of what this exercise is. Mm. People who have really challenging relationships, whether it's with adult children or young children, teenagers, for example, <laughs> Uh, might need some support. So there's a Facebook group where people can post questions for free and I'll respond to the most frequently asked questions with videos of kind of how to how to address some of those challenges using the language of leadership. Yeah, and we do have some links to, to your site and where folks can follow up on some of this if they like um, at stlpublicradio.org. Um, Christo Machiavelli famously wrote that leaders would prefer to be both loved and feared, but if they can't pull off both, uh, it's better to be feared. Uh, you're big on the idea of bosses being positive. Why? Uh, well, it comes from my personal experience. Two personal experiences. One, it comes from my personal experience of being someone who was, for the most part, led by a boss. Uh, unfortunately, my father, who led with negativity, uh, you know, it was led with criticism primarily. And unconsciously, despite me not liking that um, for many years, I became the same thing. So there's an experiment actually shortly after this was one of the biggest points of feedback that came out of that 360 survey I did uh, where I scored 199 out of 200. In fact, the dimension that I scored 199 out of 200, despite, uh, you know, they say we all become our fathers or we all become our mothers, uh, despite being led for you know my entire life, primarily with criticism on the criticism scale, I turned out to be 199 out of 200. Hmm. <laughs> and so, 
Um, so, so after that, I was encouraged. So I was challenged to stop practicing what I call lady, lazy leadership. You know, it's very easy to tell people what they did wrong. But if you want to change someone's behavior, it's much more difficult to think about how can I create a situation where I can catch them doing something right. And so catch them do something right. Catch them doing something right, you say. Yeah, so I had an example that I, we did. Uh, one, one thing I did is I just started uh, diarying each day and saying, I'm going to give one piece of positive feedback to someone each day. And what started to shift is I started to see the smiles on people's faces. And it was, and I started to see how people's behavior changed. The, the psychology researchers say that, uh, well, the research shows that leading and changing behavior is much more effective with positive feedback than with negative feedback. Um, so leading with fear uh, versus leading with positive encouragement, positive encouragement wins. But co- positive encouragement is actually more difficult. It's easy for someone to, you know, for the teacher to tell someone what was the one answer they got wrong out of 100 on the test. But finding what someone did right and really giving them uh, concrete, actionable, like, hey, you did that well, and please do more of that. So here's an example we did. We had an employee, a millennial. Uh, who was uh, kind of like one of those people who worked 40 hours a week, and uh, but also as many millennials do, they want to get promoted right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, many, well, many young college kids, I think, all, all want to. Christopher, I want to let you know we're actually in our in, in our closing moments. Is is there a way to get to the exciting conclusion of that anecdote? Uh, there is. <laughs> uh, we want to read more. We want we want to deal with this very seriously. And so, and so, as I say, folks can look at stlpublicradio.org, look at some links to Krister Ungerbuck's work talking about the language of leadership. So, Krister, thanks thanks a lot for calling in. It's all we have, all the time we have today. But but thanks a lot for chatting with us. All right, thank you much for having me. This is St. Louis on the air on St. Louis Public Radio, ninety point seven KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.